Hey, good morning. My name is Dwight. I'm one of the pastors of Church 21. So excited that you're with us. Uh, I have the privilege of reading scripture, praying, and then uh, talking to you about Jesus this morning. And I'm so delighted to do it. So uh, let me read. Uh, we're in the book of Luke. So the Bible's broken up into two uh, sections, Old Testament before Jesus comes and New Testament, Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and the first few years uh, after that. So uh, Luke is an account of his life, death, resurrection, and I'm going to be reading a story that Jesus told from Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. So it's a little bit of a longer text, but really, really exciting story. Okay, let me go. Jesus said, a man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country, and he had nothing. And then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was out in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Well, your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll look at what this passage actually means. God, we thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that, that you, you are like this father. Thank you that you celebrate with us and over us. Thank you that, that we have Christmas to be able to remember what it is that you did. Would you please open our ears? We, we know the story of Christmas. We've heard it so many times and maybe we're just tired of hearing it. Would you uh, awaken our hearts, our affections in a new way? Would you help us to see what this passage actually means? Would you bring the Bible to life? 
We really need you to do this. Amen. All right, so last Sunday, I was preaching, and during my sermon, um, my phone started going off, and I was like, ah, and it, it had a little yellow triangle, and I thought it was a warning from the Quebec government, like, go home, you know, isolate, go be by yourself, stop preaching, go. So I didn't look at it, just in case it was, so I didn't have a bad conscience about doing that. But it turns out that it was actually an Amber Alert, and Amber Alerts uh, alert us, hence the name Amber Alert. They let us know that, that kids are missing. It's one of the saddest things to get, but one of the most helpful things to get because all of a sudden we're, we're looking for something that we didn't know we were looking for before. Kids being lost is one of the worst things that I can possibly imagine. Now, thankfully, they were found in this instance, and we rejoice at that, right? I saw on social media that people were rejoicing at the reality that there was a reuniting and a reconciliation that took place. And you know, honestly, one of the most moving things that we can see are people being reunited together again. My soft spot is watching kids uh, who are blindfolded. I know it sounds bad, but stick with me. Kids who are blindfolded and a, a parent who's in the military returns home and walks up behind the kid and surprises them by taking off the blindfold and watching the kids lose their minds over it, right? We love reuniting stories. We love reconciliation. And that's really what Christmas is about. I can't imagine spending Christmas apart from any one of my kids, wondering, are they okay? Are, are they safe? And this story is gonna, gonna touch on this point, this reality of lost children. And what's so interesting about this story is that the story is also like my absolute favorite Christmas movie, Home Alone. The two plots actually run almost side by side. Major, major similarities. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at this story of a lost son, and I want to look at Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. If you haven't seen the movie, I I'm going to ruin it for you because honestly, you should have seen it by now. It's kind of your fault. But what I want to do is I want to look at both of these sides. So here's what they had in common. Number one, both the lost son and Kevin didn't want their families. Listen to what the son says in Luke 15, verse 12. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate I have coming to me. Now, do you know how things work out in life? When, when a parent passes away, they look at the will and they see what the parent has said, I want to give this part to, my, to this child, this part to this child, this part to this person. But in essence, what the son is saying to the dad is, I wish you were dead now so that I could have my stuff that's coming to me. That's sweet, isn't it? I bet you want that type of child, don't you? sitting at the Christmas tree on Christmas morning and the kid looks at you and says, hey, mom and dad, why don't you head back to bed? Thanks for the presents. This is all I wanted. Don't really need you watching over my shoulder as I open them. This is that type of kid. Lovely, isn't it? Now, let me jump into Home Alone. Do you remember that part in Home Alone where he, he goes upstairs and he looks at his mom and he says, I hope I never see any of you jerks again. I hope I never see any of you jerks again. Now, kids, you're not supposed to say that word probably, but I'm a professional and I can say that word once in a while, okay? So I hope I never see any of you jerks again. Both of them didn't want their families. Let's see what, what happens next. They both get what they wanted. In Luke 15, verse 12 and 13, we see the son asked for the resources and the text says, so the dad distributed the assets 
to them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country. Traveled to a distant country. Now, what would have had to have happened is the father didn't have all this money stored up somewhere. He had possessions. And what the father would have had to have done is he would have had to sell cows, sell sheep, sell his house, sell land. He would have had to have worked to get the money to be able to give a third of all he had to this son. He was a younger son. He had an older brother. The older brother would have gotten two-thirds of everything. The younger son would have gotten a third. The father sold a third of all he had and gave that to this kid. Gave that to this kid. And what does the son do? Well, it says in verse 13, he squandered his estate in foolish living. He was a fool. He took all this money, all these resources, and he invested it in a big party. I imagine he's the guy that had friends with him only because he had money. I'm sure he was the guy that got talked into paying for everyone's party life. And when the money's gone, there, there was no one left. Now, let me go back into Home Alone. If you remember when Kevin uh, oversleeps the next morning and his family's actually gone, Kevin comes downstairs. He looks around. He calls mom and calls out the rest of his family members. And then he says, I made my family disappear. I made my family disappear. And then music's crazy and he's jumping on the bed and eating ice cream, all this crazy stuff. But both got what they wanted. This lost son and Kevin McAllister, they get what they wanted. And do you know what happens? Not, and they lived happily ever after and rode off into the sunset on unicorns with rainbows following them. Not that. In fact, it says that both were left unsatisfied. Both were left unsatisfied and they experienced hardship. Listen to what, what happens to this lost son. In verse 14, after he had spent everything, a severe famine, no food, there wasn't a McDonald's. There wasn't anything like that. A severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. He went from having all this stuff and now he had nothing. So then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. Now, how many of you at home right now are thinking, when I grow up, I just want to feed pigs? Probably no one. Probably that's not your deepest desire. And look what it says. He longed. He desired so deeply to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. You know things are bad when you're looking at things that pigs are eating and you're like, that looks really, really good. That looks really, really good. You see, this story would have been punchy as well because Jesus was a, a Jewish man speaking to a Jewish audience. And Jewish people didn't have anything to do with pigs. They were an unclean animal. And so not only did he lose everything, but he got the worst possible job that he could get. Longing for the nasty, unclean animal that we would never touch. Longing for the food that was dropping out of his mouth. It's pretty bad. You thought getting all your dad's stuff was going to be amazing. You finally got it. And then you're left unsatisfied and experiencing hardship. Well, something similar happened to Kevin. Not that he was eating pig's food. He was eating all kinds of crazy stuff. But listen to what Kevin McAllister says in Home Alone. He says, please tell Santa that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Having his family gone, that didn't satisfy him. 
And then the, the, the hardships that Kevin experiences is that the wet bandits come and they try and take over his house in this crazy plot. Again, if you haven't seen it, you really should see it. But they got the thing they wanted and they weren't satisfied. Now the commonalities keep going. Both the lost son and Kevin had parents who were pursuing them. Listen to Luke 15, verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my dad's hired workers have more than enough food? Right? Even the servants in his house, they're eating really well, but here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, I'll go to my dad and say to him, dad, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. Make me like a servant. So he got up and went to his father. The son knows what kind of dad he has. He has an amazing dad. He has a dad that loves to give him all of stuff. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about how generous his dad is, how much he really loves him, that he would lose a third of his stuff to be able to give the resource to this kid who, who basically wanted him dead. So he makes his plan to go back. But do you know what his dad is doing? His dad is watching for him. Listen to what it says in verse 20. So he got up and went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. His dad had been waiting for him. His dad had been watching for him. His dad had been waiting for him to be able to come back home. And do you know what he had every right to do in that culture? He could have killed him. He could have said, you embarrassed me. You embarrassed the family. You made a fool of yourself. You made a fool of me. That's it. I'm ending your life. But instead it says that his heart was filled with compassion. He was pursuing his son. He was waiting for his son to come toward him and then he was gonna run after him. Now something similar is true with Kevin in Home Alone as well. His mom and the whole family had just landed in Paris and then she immediately realizes, well, they realized it when they were on the plane there. She, she finds a flight back. It costs her diamond earrings. It costs her all kinds of crazy things. It costs her listen, listening to polka music. I don't know if you've had to listen to polka music, but that's suffering. Not really. If you like it, good for you. But I, I don't know that that's the most amazing thing that I would want to be listening to. But she makes this long trip back from Paris to Chicago to pursue the son who's at home. And here's the last similarity. Both reconciliations and reunitings, they were costly. It cost Kevin's mom a lot of money to travel back. A lot of money. And it cost his dad a lot to reinstate this son back into the family. Listen to what it costs him. It says that when he saw him, he was filled with compassion and he ran. Now, you need to know that Hebrew men did not run. That was an embarrassment. You were steady and, and confident and slow, you didn't run. You would have had to like pick up your, your skirt in a sense and, and get going and that's what he does. He runs and he threw his arms around his neck, not to choke him out, but to embrace him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, dad, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, it's like he wasn't even listening to him. And the father told the servants, quick, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, a signet ring. You're back in the family. Put sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost 
and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father swallows the embarrassment because he loves his son so much. And he reinstates him not just a little bit. He doesn't say, yeah, 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 okay, that was a good idea. You could be a servant. He says, no, 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 you're not a servant. You're my son. And he has this massive party, right? The son just wasted all of dad's resources partying, squandering them foolishly. And what does the dad do when he returns? He throws a party to celebrate this, a party that would have cost a lot of money. But do you know who it would have cost the most? Do you know who paid the price for this son to be reinstated? It actually wasn't the dad ultimately. It was the older son. Because all those resources that the dad had now, those were going to be for the older son. Those were his in the waiting. That was his fattened calf. That was his robe. That was his signet ring. Everything that was remaining was for him. It cost the older son for the younger son to be reinstated. And it tells us in the story that the older son was not happy about this at all. And that's kind of understandable, isn't it? Your stuff is now seemingly getting squandered so that the one who squandered all the resources on stupid decisions can be brought back in to the family, especially when you've been the one that's done everything right. But the father wanted this older son to grasp the beauty of reconciliation, of being reunited, of being reinstated. Basically, the father's saying, my son was an enemy. He was dead to me, and now he's alive. He's been brought back. You've got to see this. Listen to what he says to his older son. Son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Do you know why Jesus tells a story? You know why Jesus tells a story? Because this is exactly what Jesus came to do. Now, we didn't sing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but there's a sweet line in that song. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Jesus came to reconcile God and rebels, God and those who missed the mark, God and sinners. This is why Jesus came. Jesus comes because there was a problem. Jesus didn't come on a vacation. Now, we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, I know that's, that's probably a lot to digest, but we believe this. So Jesus remained fully God and fully man as he was on earth, but he set aside his godness. He didn't tap into his God powers. He lived just like us. And he came because there was a problem. And he didn't just come on his own. He didn't decide, ah, you know what? I'm going to go vacation on earth for a little while and see how it is. No, he is sent. God the Father sends God the Son because the problem exists in us. You see, we were made by God and we were made for him. God didn't make you to just follow a bunch of rules. God didn't make you so that he could pull away all the fun things in life. God made you to enjoy and enjoy him. God made you to be a hedonist for him. 
All the deepest desires that you really have for relationship, for control, for comfort, for power, for approval, for safety, ultimately, you were made to have all of those fulfilled by him. But here's what happens in the story of the Bible, our story. You might be saying, I don't believe that story. Okay, well, just imagine with me for a moment that maybe this is true. In our story, humanity decided that we didn't want to live under God's rule and reign. We decided that we had a better way. We would carve a new path. You see, what we like, and all of us like it, we really like God's stuff. We believe that everything is his. We like his stuff, but we don't necessarily like the relationship with him on his terms. We want to have a relationship with God on our terms. I'll do what I want. I'll say what I want. I'll live however I want. And God, if you're really a loving God, then you'll just accept me. But those might be your terms or my terms, but they're not God's terms. You see, when we decided that we were going to carve a new path, it broke something. In fact, it didn't just break something. It broke everything. Sin entered the world. Sin is really an archer's term that means missing the mark. So if you were to shoot at a target and you missed the bullseye, that was a sin. Sin entered the world. We missed the mark for the first time. Shame came in. Guilt came in. Confusion. Hiding. Have you ever seen a kid who gets caught doing something wrong or they, they think that they're going to get caught and they're hiding? Right? We don't have to teach that to kids. They feel like that's the appropriate response, but you weren't made for that. And finally, death came in because of us wanting to carve a new path. We carved a new path away from life and into death. The Bible actually says that the wages, the payment, the paycheck for carving that new path is death. And that's an eternal death away from the one that you were made to have a relationship with. And so humanity is like this lost son trying to find life on our own, trying to, to live it up, trying to take dad's stuff and squandering it on wherever we can to try and find value, meaning, purpose because we know that we lack it. COVID has revealed that to us, hasn't it? We get alone by ourselves and we don't like what we see and so we, we try and fill it with other things but, but when we get alone again, it's like I don't really like what's going on inside. We're constantly dissatisfied and we ask the question, is this, is this all? Am I really meant to have a, a mask, a maskful? I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm making it a word. A maskful existence away from everyone in isolation, binge watching Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, whatever your poison is. Is this really it? But Christmas says, no, this isn't it. The good news is that God pursued us just like the father pursued the son, just like Kevin's mom pursued him. And he comes in the person of Jesus and it costs Jesus everything, just like the older brother. It costs Jesus everything. But the difference between Jesus and the older brother in the story is that Jesus was pleased. He was pleased to come for you. You have to know how loved you are that God would enter into human history because he loves you. And not the vu, but the two. The singular, he loves you. And do you know what he did? He came to remove the curse that looms over everything. C.S. Lewis calls the curse, always winter, never Christmas. 
the curse over everything. And Jesus didn't just come to remove the curse, but he came to bring reconciliation. Jesus died for you. Jesus came to live and grow up and to go to the cross for you. To take your payment, the paycheck that you and I should get. He said, I'll take that paycheck. I'll take that death. And here, you can have my life. And do you know what's amazing? It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how bad you are, how much you think, man, if God really knew what was going on inside me, he would never love me. He says, try me. Try me. I know how bad you are, and I know that you're worse than that, and I love you. And I love you so much that I would come and I would lay down my life for you. And under the tree, not this tree, but the tree of the cross, underneath that cross is a gift for you. And you know what that gift is? That gift is forgiveness. That God says, I'm offering out forgiveness to you. I'm offering you a, a, a reset, a restart. I'm, I'm offering to make you a new creation. I'm offering you reconciliation. I'm offering you adoption into my family. And I'm offering you the chance to be an ambassador. To not just experience the goodness of who I am, but to now go and tell how great of a God I am. Now when you get a great Christmas present, this is what I would do growing up. After I would open up my presents, I would call my grandparents. Not on FaceTime, we didn't have that. I would call my, my grandparents, and we had phones like this in that day. I would call them, and I would tell them all the presents that I got and how amazing it was. And this is what Jesus has for us too. When you get to experience this forgiveness, this reconciliation, this being made right with God, you get to tell people, not about this like religious thing that you're now doing and a part of, but about this true and living God that wants to make things right with me. You see, when we've been changed, we get to tell the story of a God who reconciles through experience. You see, there's this other beautiful scene in Home Alone. There's, there's an old scary man in the movie, or we think he's scary. And Kevin goes into a church building and sits down, and the scary man sits down next to him, and Kevin's scared. And they start talking, and they, Kevin finds out that this older man is, is out of sorts with, with his son, I think. And so he's there listening to his granddaughter sing in the choir, but he can't talk to his son anymore. And, and Kevin says, you need to reconcile. And not in those words, but basically, you need to reconcile. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm wishing my family would come back. You have your family right here. You need to reconcile. And after Kevin's family comes home and they get reunited, Kevin looks out the window, having sp experienced this reuniting. He looks out the window and he sees that happening with that old man with his family. And Kevin smiles and they wave to each other, smiling like we're both experiencing this reconciliation, this restoration at the same time. And we get to rejoice with one another as it's happening. And this is what Christmas really is all about. It's reminding us that, that Jesus is the gift, that he was the gift for us and is the gift and will continue to be the gift. And that Christmas beckons new people to experience this forever reconciliation. That nagging feeling inside of you that, ah, I didn't get what I wanted this year on Christmas. Or that nagging feeling inside of you that, man, I've been trying really hard, but nothing I'm doing is working. Nothing's really giving me the value, meaning, and purpose that I'm longing for. That's your heart looking for Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. 17 years ago, 
I experienced this. When I was 22, I experienced this reconciliating love of Jesus. And it happened to me just before Christmas, right around December 20th, actually. That I understood that, man, I missed the mark. I lived like that younger son did. That was my life. It was a big party. And I figured that Jesus came. I thought Jesus came just for good religious boys and girls. But one night I came to understand, no, Jesus came for messed up people like me. And I remember praying, Jesus, if you're real, if you're legit, if this is who you really are, then I want in. I was all alone in my apartment. I want in. But if you're not real, well, I've just been talking to myself for a little while. And on that night, it was like someone gave me a new mind, a new heart, new desires. I wanted to to go and tell people of this Jesus who comes after rotten people like me and who changes us and makes us from, from enemies and rebels to sons and friends. Jesus is saying to you, I want, I want you. You see, God got an amber alert with your name. This, this son, this daughter is, is lost. And do you know what he did? He came to get you. He came to get you. So will you let him take you? Will you let him take you? I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to respond. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for forgiving yourself. Thank you for, for promising that you would never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never bail out on us, that you will be with us forever. And right now, as we're watching in our living rooms, you're there. And I want to pray for those who, who are saying, yeah, that's, that's actually what I'm looking for. That right now they would say, Jesus, I accept your gifts. I take your forgiveness. I need that. And I want to be your child. And Jesus, thank you that you will answer that prayer with yes, I've been waiting. I want to pray for those of us who, who have known you, that we would be ambassadors telling the good news, going and telling where, wherever we are that there is a God who reconciles with his enemies and makes them his family. We thank you that you are a good God who loves us and pursues us. We need you for everything. 